The following audio presentation is, part 2. The interview continues from where it left off, in part 1. This is the Spirited Talk podcast. Conversations and much more about connecting with our friends and lost ones in the spirit world. And welcome back to this second episode. Tim's not gone anywhere. He's been there all the time. We've been having a natter off microphone. I am so excited about this story and I'm so excited to be talking to you, Tim, about this. We left it in the end of the last one. We just started to bring in the spirit influences, the things that happened. But in all fairness, Tim, you've been aware of spirit for many years. Oh, absolutely. If we go back to when I was in the children's home, I believe I was seven uh, when I first began to become aware of the spirit world. And when I first began to be aware of the spirit world, not recognizing what it was, but or not understanding what it was, I used to perceive the spirit world clairvoyantly. 100% of it was objectively. For those listeners who need to understand objective and subjective, subjective, if you think of a submarine, submerged, submerged in your mind, so you perceive it through the faculties of your mind. Objectively, like you're looking at something external. So it's not physical, it's still of a spiritual nature, but you're looking, for example, at your TV, you're looking at your back door, you're looking at your husband or your wife across the other side of the room. And this young boy stepped forward from the spirit world, and we used to hang out. For about six months, I became aware of this young boy and he used to appear maybe two, three times a week and would hang around for a couple of hours. And I would be talking to him outwardly. The people who ran the children's home became very concerned that I would, I'd been walking around talking to the wall and talking to doors to the point where they sent me to a psychiatrist. At the age of seven, they sent me to a psychiatrist. And I only attended this appointment once. The psychiatrist sent me back to the children's home saying, there's nothing wrong with this boy at all. You know, he's absolutely sane. He's absolutely fine. I knew that. And again, we have to remember of the story that I've told you so far in this interview of me being in this organised but almost clinical kind of environment where love did not exist, but there was organisation. And this young boy would come and I felt love. That type of un- unconditional love that you can only feel from the spirit world. He was my best mate. Yet in the physical sense, he didn't exist. And I knew that as a young boy, I did know that. I I didn't know, oh, is this what everybody experiences? I did recognize that this was somebody who was not of the physical. I didn't recognize that he was of the spirit world, this kind of spirit world, but I recognized he was not of the physical. Beyond that, I didn't understand it. It went on from there. As a young man, I had lots of experiences where I know now that the spirit world was pestering me. One of the experiences that, that was quite powerful, and people say to me, well, that must have been frightening. And initially it was. As a young boy, again in the children's home, this man who was all dressed all in black used to come in to my bedroom of the night time and would grab my foot. Physically, I could feel him with his hand grabbing my foot. And he used to look at me in my eyes and say, are you afraid of me? Like, yes, oh, yes. And I was petrified. Maybe over about a period of a month, this happened maybe seven times to the point where he came in one evening and, and grabbed my foot and said, are you afraid of me? Said, no, I'm not. Oh, whatever. Go away. And he said, good. Now we can start working with you. Now we can start working with you. Now the fear is gone. And I, I've had many experiences. One story I'd love to share with you. I highlighted that I left school at a very young age and I went to work for two builders and they were both robes they were characters in robes and we were working in a house that had been empty for many years near Fulham football ground Uh, people may know Fulham football ground it's a London football team and we were in a in a street called Crabtree Lane which is in Fulham in London and uh, somebody had bought this house and they'd asked these two lads to rewire it replumb it, new roof, new kitchen, new bathroom, completely refurbished. And each lunchtime, they would go off to the pub 
and I would sit there in this empty house with my sandwiches that my mother had sent me off to work with. And I was sitting on the landing at the top of the stairs. Now we have to remember there was no carpet on the stairs that had been ripped out uh, long before. So it was bare wooden stairs. And I physically heard, audibly, I physically heard thump, thump, thump as somebody was coming up the stairs. And I looked through the spindles where I was sitting and there was a young man, about approximately the same age as me, I was 15, 16 at the time, looking at me. As far as I was concerned, he was physical. In appearance, he was physical. And he asked the question, what are you doing in this house? And I started to explain that we were, we were builders and, and we, we were updating it. And he was, he was almost pleading with me, please look after this house. Please do a good job of this house as if he was concerned about the well-being of the house. And I said, well, I'm only the laborer, you know. I do what these two builders tell me to do, and, and then I go home at the end of the day. And the discussion went on for about five minutes, and I could hear him audibly, I could hear him, I could see him physically. And then all of a sudden, in front of my eyes, and remember, he is, he is he's standing on the stairs, I'm sitting on the landing. So he is literally two foot away from me, and we're looking through the spindles at each other. And he physically disappeared. In a split second, he disappeared. I ran out of the house. I'd already had experiences with spirit, as I previously explained. But I ran out of the house and sat on a wall, a garden wall, the other side of the road, until these two guys came back from the pub. And they said, why aren't you in the house working? And I said, there's spirit in that house. I'm not going in that house. And they clicked me around the back of the head and said, get back to work. And so I did. Now, the next day, I had to go into a cellar, a very damp, dark cellar, to clear it out. It was full of rubbish. And I spent all day in there, bent over, I think it was about three foot tall, grabbing out old chairs and old bits of rubbish, putting it in the skip. And I came across two very large black and white photographs, military photographs of a regiment. And I'm thinking, oh, these are going to be worth money. I'll, I'll flog these. I'll sell these. Get a few bob. But as I'm sitting cleaning them and looking at them, I'm looking at a young soldier. It, it was a regiment of young, maybe maybe 20 young soldiers, something like that. And I'm looking at these soldiers, uh, and I looked at one of the soldiers, and I thought, that was the guy who came yesterday on the stairs. There's obviously a connection to this house with this young man. So what I did the next day, at lunchtime, I marched across Fulham to the library. I thought, the library will buy these off of me. I'll, I'll earn a few bob out of these. Two large photographs under my arms, about a 15-minute journey across town to the library. And I met a lady in the library, and I said, do you want to buy these? And she said, no, but you can donate them if you like. Oh, God, I don't want to walk across town with them again. And she said, if you donate them, I will research them for you. And if you come back tomorrow, I'll tell you the background story on them. I thought, okay, that'll be interesting. So I donated them to the Fulham Library. And I went back the next day and she said, this is a, a regiment from Crabtree Lane, and it's called the Crabtree Lane Regiment. What they used to do in the First World War, the military would go into streets and say, right, we want all the young men out. Right, you are now, what's the name of this road? Ford Road. Right, you are now the Ford Regiment. And but what they realised was the young men were going off to war and none of them would come back and they were wiping out whole communities. So they stopped doing that, uh, which is where they then started taking a man from this street, a man from that street. But this was the Crabtree Regiment and it was Crabtree Lane where I was, the house that I was working. So it was obviously a young man who lived in, in that house, who'd gone off to war and sadly didn't come back. And his spirit wanted to know what I was doing in the house and please look after my house. Wow, scary. No, not at all. I, I would say beautiful. So at this point, Tim, let's just say this was not under a known umbrella. You weren't aware of spiritualism or you didn't really understand what this was all about. It hadn't been pigeonholed. I was 15, maybe 16 at that point. Yeah, absolutely. You'd already, you've already mentioned that you went to a uh, circle or were invited to a circle. When did that come along and that sort of uh, official recognition of spirit come? How old were you? I think at the age of about 17, 18, 
I've had many experiences like the story that I shared with you there, many different experiences like that, where the spirit world were, I call it, they were pestering me. Because on several occasions, they said, please work for us, please work for us, uh, which I didn't have an understanding. Well, you know, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you in my life. My mother, who I didn't have such a good relationship with, was a spiritualist. And we would go to, at the age of 11, I started attending the Fulham Spiritualist Church. We would sit at the back and I would watch the mediums work. And the mediums would say, I've got this lady with me here. She's somebody's mother. And I would say to my mum, I can't see that lady, but I can see the man who's standing by the side of that medium. And we would go up after the service and talk to the recipient. My mother would say, my boy sees spirit. He'd like to share with you what he, what he saw when the medium was working with you. We know the medium gave you a lady, but my son saw a man, and I would describe what I saw and what the man said. And the, and the recipient would say, oh, God, that's my father that, you, you, that you're talking about. And it came to the point where the church kind of accepted, oh, that's that boy who goes around afterwards giving messages. Uh, and it became a regular thing. At the age of 19... I was working for a building firm and I had to take an electrician to see a top floor flat, which he was going to rewire to Hammersmith, an area in London. And on a Monday morning, as we went up these stairs and, and entered the flat, a gentleman had broke in and hung himself in the physical sense. He lived in the flat below. It, it, it's a long story, but he'd actually murdered a lady and was due Monday morning to go to the Old Bailey. I'm sure he knew he was going to go to prison for a long time. So he broke in over the weekend and hung himself. And we discovered this body hanging there. And I uh, and the electrician ran downstairs and I had to organise. I was only 19. I had to organise the police and everything. And, but several days later, I'm laying in bed with my first wife and I was awoken in the middle of the night. I was aware that there was somebody in the bedroom. And as I opened my eyes, the gentleman who hung himself, or at least his spirit, was standing at the foot of the bed, apologising to me how I found him. And three times in two weeks, that gentleman appeared. And so I thought, well, I, I need to get control of this. I need to sort this out. And I found a gentleman who I'd met, who I'd gone and seen in the Fulham Spiritualist Church, a medium called Terry Evans, who's now a TV medium in, in uh, Sweden, a very well-known TV medium in Sweden. And I said to him, you know, I need help. This guy's hassling me from the spirit side of life. I need help. And he said, what I want you to do, I want you to go back to that flat. And I said, oh, that's going to be challenging, but I'll do it. And just stand in the place where you saw him and just say a prayer. And I said, well, I know the Lord's Prayer. It was the only prayer I knew at the time. And I, and I said the Lord's Prayer. And, and the gentleman from the spirit side of life never visited me again. So I phoned Terry up, this street urchin, phoning up this medium, said, look, mate, thank you very much. I don't know what you did, but it worked. And he said, come to my circle. What's a circle? Oh, come to my class. Oh, no, 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 I'm not interested in that. He said, look, I've helped you, help me. Come to my class. And his mother was the president of Ballam Spiritualist Church, which again is in London. So I attended his circle, and there was about 16 people in it. And he said, uh, just come up on the platform and tell your story, Tim. And I think he was on an ego ride. And he just wanted me to, to praise him, you know. Oh, this man, this man, Terry Evans, has sorted me out. But what he was actually doing was, by me standing on the platform, uh, talking the story, I was actually attuning to the spirit world, unknowingly. And he said, just tell me what you're aware of. And I said, um, I'm actually aware of a young man who's a soldier. And he wants to talk to that lady over there. And I pointed to one of the members of the circle. And I said, he's telling me he's your son. And he died in a fire. And he's showing me a house on a hill. And she just burst out crying. And I said, oh, oh I'm sorry. I don't know what I've done. I don't want to upset you. And she said, I have a son who was on leave from the army. And we lived at number one of the hill. And she said, I've gone out shopping. And the house caught on fire and he died in the fire. And I said to Terry, I don't know what I've done. He said, you've walked off the street and you've done what I've been trying to train these guys to do for years. And you've done it instantly. And can't you see you're a medium? And I attended his circle for about six weeks. 
but his teaching style didn't resonate for me. So then I, I went and joined another circle for about six weeks. That teacher's teaching style didn't resonate with me. And again, I joined another circle for approximately six weeks. And that teacher didn't um, resonate with me. So I went home very frustrated. And I stood in my dining room and screamed at the ceiling. And I said, I can't find anybody to teach me. Uh, I don't know what to do. And I heard audibly, real teacher, all you've got to do is ask. Whoa, what do I do? What do I do? And this voice said, you sit every day for one hour in a meditation and we will come and teach you. I sat for two years every day in a circle for one hour. There was about eight of us in that circle. I was the only physically living person. The rest of them was from the spirit world. And they just gave me experience after experience after experience. After the two years, they said, now we're going to introduce you to somebody. And this gentleman stepped forward and he said, I am the father of your neighbor. And I used to be a cobbler. I used to make shoes and he gave me this information. And the main circle leader, if you like, who's still a guide of mine, said to me, now we want you to go and knock on your next door neighbor's door and give them that information from that father. Oh, my God. He, but I thought, in for a penny, in for a pound, and I did it. I think the guy thought I was crazy, but he could take all the information. It was all correct. And that was them saying, right, you've done your circle work. Now you need to start working with the public. I think by the age of maybe about 26, I did my first public uh, service. And it just snowballed from there. I tell you what, you get goosebumps, your hairs stand up on you. They did for me in that. Being taught by spirit is something that not everybody's capable of having because we we do need human interface. It's okay taking advice from spirit as long as your connection's like Tim's is. And, and, and that's a very good point, Trevor. I think you can't beat being in the company of like-minded people and learning through experiences. Some of those experiences you'll say, oh, I didn't do so well in, in class in circle today. But nonetheless, you learn from that experience. As long as you're in, in the company of a teacher that resonates with you, you can have the best teacher in the world. If they don't speak your language, you're wasting your time. Uh, it might be that you join a circle where your level of understanding moves beyond that of the teacher. Therefore, that circle, in a sense, has played its part, but is now redundant. You, in this learning curve that we're on, your learning has gone beyond what that teacher's is. And you, you note this because suddenly you notice that the teacher's talking um, airy-fairy stuff that's just not true. You move on to your next circle. Simple as that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it saddens me because sometimes I see teachers of all levels who have this approach that I own my student. Nobody owns nobody. If as a teacher, you have a student, I don't know, maybe a couple of years, and you take them on this journey. And if you're doing your job right, you nurture and you feed their ability and it begins to develop and they outgrow your ability as a teacher. And they say, look, I've found this other group that's slightly more advanced and it's inspiring me. I, I need to go there. You should be proud that you've done your job, not insulted that they're leaving your circle, proud that you've taken them a few steps upon their journey. You, you've supported that. You've got all of this activity. You've got the circles. You've got all of this going on with spirit. You are obviously gifted. How did you find out about the Arthur Finley College belonging to the Spiritualist National Union? How did you find out about that? So we have to remember my statement earlier on uh, that I'm severely dyslexic. So I couldn't read some advertisement about the um, Arthur Finley College. So if we go back to that two years where I sat for an hour every day, towards the latter part of that, the circle leader said, now you need to attend the Arthur Finley College. And I said, uh, okay, so what is that? Where is it? And no more information was forthcoming. I was in Cambridge work, doing some work. I'm not sure exactly what it was. but And I happened to pass the police station. I noticed their police station. And I immediately thought, ah, I'll pull in there and ask about the Arthur Finley College. So I went into the uh, Cambridge police station and said, look, I've been told about a place called the Arthur Finley College. Could you tell me where it is? And the chap on the desk, I don't know, put it into the computer or whatever it was and said, uh, oh, yes, it's, it's a school that does psychic research and mystical development. 
and it's in Essex. And he gave me the address. Certainly within about six months, I'd saved up my money and, and I was attending my first ever course, which was with a beautiful lady called Brent, Minister Brenda Lawrence, who's, I think she's semi-retired now, but fantastic teacher and medium. And before the end of that week, she actually said to me, she took me to one side and said, don't you realise that there will come a time when you will be teaching here in the college? And I just broke down crying. The emotions of that just hit me. My second ever uh, course I attended was on a Glyn Edwards course. And Glyn went on to be my mentor. I don't think I ever went on anybody else's uh, course after that. I always used to attend Glyn Edwards's course. I became very lucky that um, Glyn took seven mediums, some were male, some, some were females, seven mediums. He gathered together and said, look, I believe you have something special about you, you seven. If you stick with me, I, I, I will take you the distance, which we did. We used to attend courses of his maybe not only inside the college, but outside the college. We used to stand alongside him when he was doing his private work. Um, maybe a weekend seminar and we would teach with him I did that for maybe five or six years every one of those seven went on actually to become teachers at the Arthur Finley College mm. we've all gone on to do different things now I don't think any of them uh, are connected to the college anymore several of us went on to be course organizers which means we run our own courses. And the name here, he first mentioned there from Tim was Brenda Lawrence. She is kind of semi-retired, as you said. If anybody's interested in seeing her old style of mediumship, there are a couple of videos that I've watched of hers that are on YouTube. So look the lady up. Brilliant. Of the old school type of mediumship. And of course, we all know of the amazing, the incredible late Glyn Edwards, uh, a remarkable man. And I, I'm, I'm in envy in a sense that you were mentored by him him but something you washed over there which I'm, I'm more interested in hearing a little bit about you actually took the education of this subject seriously you actually embraced if you like the spiritual national union's education schemes and you went on to get these qualifications that allowed you give you the the privilege to teach at the college i very much believe in the snu and their philosophy don't always agree with some of their rulings and, and maybe some directions they take, but I'm very much an SNU member. And it, it was Glynn's, through Glynn's encouragement, he said that he wanted all seven of us to be teachers at the college, which meant we had to take certain certificates to, to achieve that. And he encouraged that studies. Now, again, I remind you that I am severely dyslexic and I will give the, the SNU credit for that, that they do cater for people with disabilities all my exams, I would listen to the course notes on back then. It was tapes, the old tapes. I'm sure it then went on to CDs. I'm not sure what it is now, probably through the computer. So you could do it audibly, listen to the course notes and put your answers audibly on, on a tape, on a CD, whatever it happened to be. So I did all many different exams that led me to be able to do the diploma, which is the highest qualification within the SNU. I've achieved uh, the diploma for both teaching and demonstrating. I think I'm the only person in the history of the SNU who's taken all my exams twice because of a complicated situation. But um, I'm glad to say I achieved that. Uh, that. That allowed me then to go through the teacher training. And I went through the teacher training. It was then taken at the Arthur Finley College. A lovely lady ran it called Nora Shaw. She's still around, a fantastic teacher and medium from up north. I remember the first time she ever assessed me, I did class on spiritual philosophy. And the assessment, and when I look back at it now as a teacher, was very shallow, but it definitely massaged my ego. She simply wrote across the, the paperwork in bold letters, brilliant. And, and then showed, she said, let me show you what I put. That was then halfway through my teaching. It was taken over by one of your previous guests, Minister Simone Key, oh, yeah, yeah. who oh, yeah. I've got a lot of respect for. Achieved my qualifications as a teacher of the Arthur Finley College back then through her era of organising that, that the teacher training in them days. I have to add, I am no longer a teacher at the college. I, I've moved on, but a beautiful place and a very good 
educational system that they have without i would recommend it to anybody tim i believe you mentioned that you may not have your first wife passed away no no my daughter passed away of an epileptic fit at the age of 21 so your first wife is still alive absolutely absolutely by this time that you were at the afc were you still with your first wife yes i was yeah yesterday as i do before all interviews i get my tarot cards out and i do a little bit of a shuffle and i ring my bell and i connect through to the spirit world and i ask them what subject can i talk about with tim and i may not be aware of uh, that reading, uh, I was cussing here. I know Tim already knows this. I was cussing the spirit world because they wanted to take it down one route. Uh, it's a route that we have not talked about yet. And I went, no! And I was angry because this was prominent in these cards. Everything was in this card. I spoke to Tim on the pre-records uh, yesterday and I said, I've got a problem. I would normally do my tarot reading here. I can't do the tarot reading because they're pointing to one element that I'm sure you don't want to talk about. Now then, Tim is such a wonderful gentleman and such a wonderful person. He actually said, no, I'm prepared to talk about it. So, Tim, I'm going to turn your microphone back up there. I muted you for a few moments there. We're up to this picture. You are a very well-respected, and I mean that because I knew at the time, a very well-respected tutor at the college. You have a great future with uh, everything that you're doing, but then a bombshell happened. Are you prepared to tell us about it? We can go into it briefly without doubt. I often sit back and ask myself, was it greed? Was it naivety? Uh, was it stupidity? And it's probably amalgamation of, of all of those. I thought I could uh, defraud the tax man. It, of course, I'm, I'm certainly not clever enough to do that type of thing. You know, big industries uh, uh, get caught out doing it. And I got caught doing that. And my world fell apart. My world fell apart because of, I have to say, um, uh, it took my liberty away for eight weeks, um, which was a very interesting time. But it took my liberty away for eight weeks. It destroyed my relationship with the SMU at that time. That was their choice, not mine. Uh, that was a decision they made. Uh, I, I since have rebuilt my relationship with the SMU uh, to, to a certain point. But it never, it never destroyed my relationship with the spirit world. This presentation was brought to you from the Spirited Talk Foundation. Education for improving your connections with the world of spirit. Learn from listening to others that are keen for you to progress in your own unfoldment. If you'd like to support this wonderful project with an ongoing subscription, why not consider becoming a Spirited Talk Guardian? You'll get to hear these episodes ahead of everyone else and free access to all the content in the Foundation Library. And of course, you'll be supporting this amazing audio source into the future. Visit our website at spiritedtalk.foundation. That's spiritedtalk.foundation. Thank you for your support. Hi, I'm Andy Ford. I'm a spiritualist medium. I come from very near to Stonehenge. And on this day, it's a pleasure to actually acknowledge that I actually listen to Spirit Talk because of the benefit it brings to people, the support. So the one thing I would leave with you is have that belief in you, that self-belief. Take that forward. Hi there, I'm Mark Stone, spiritualist medium, healer and teacher, and you're listening to Spirited Talk podcast. Learn to allow the spirit world to work with you. Don't try, just allow. Hi, my name is Daniela from Enschede aus Holland. And I am a spiritualist medium and also a spiritualist healing medium. I hear lefthaftige Sprache in my bed before I sleep. My name is Tim Abbott. When I want to be educated and inspired, I turn to Spirited Talk.
Welcome back to this second half by this. Arthur's lined up. I can see him puffing at the chests here. He wants to ask you a question, one of his awkward questions. Numbered one to ten. So, without any more, uh, Tim, you obviously agree to answer, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some of these in here. I'm embarrassed. I hope they don't come out. Numbers one to ten. Give us a number. So I always encourage my students, there are no limitations to the potential of your mediumship. So let's go to the top of the shop. Let's go number 10. Here is your chosen question. Question 10. What is the main mantra you think you live your life by? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that, Arthur. You know, I try to be a good family man. I have a very good family around me uh, right now. And I try to be strong and loyal for my family. I love education, so I grasp every opportunity to learn and develop. But also, I love to share my truth, my knowledge with other people, uh, which I do through being a teacher of mediumship. So I think be strong for your own family, but equally, when the opportunity is there, allow yourself to inspire and enrich other people. Um, okay. Now, listen, Tim, you can see me on screen here now. I'm really, really not comfortable with this subject. I'm bringing it up because I know there's people that would want to um, hear a little bit about it. I I, I kind of know about it. I'm, I'm not really wanting to go around this too much. I just want to mention, and we did discuss this before we um, did the pre-records yesterday. I was made aware that these times were so dark that you wanted to kill yourself? Um, so I've always, uh, up until maybe the last five years, I've always tried to physically keep fit. I, I believe it's actually part and parcel of your spiritual development. But, so I've always attended gyms. And uh, through this period of time, the court case that I had to uh, be part of actually took something like three years. All the time I'm under this stress. Uh, my family are being affected, it's, it, 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 and I'm at breaking point. And I've come back, I'm on my way back from a um, gym one day at my lowest, darkest point emotionally and mentally. And I, and I had to travel through a woods, uh, very pretty woods, and, uh, and I stopped in a lay-by. I just stopped. I, where's my life going? What's going on here? And I just glanced at a tree. And I really feel that if I'd have had a rope in the boot of my car at that point, I may have done something very silly uh, and, and attempted to take my life. Um, but I'm glad that I didn't. You know, I have to say that you learn, you know, we are, we are all on a journey of discovery through life. And that includes mediums. We are not something unique. We are not something special. We are human beings on a journey like every other human being. Um, you know, I look at, I have, a, I, have a, I have a daughter who's a nurse. I see her work being more important for spirit than mine. You know, she's saving lives all the time. You know, I'm just proving the communicate. I'm just proving the continuity of life. Uh, I'm nothing special. And we go through life making mistakes as human beings, uh, uh, making decisions, some of those decisions we regret, some of those de decisions we're proud of. But as long as you have the, as long as you're strong enough in your mind to learn from your experiences and the negative ones put behind you and don't go and visit them again. Don't make those mistakes again. Learn from them. Put right your mistakes, which I've done uh, with that particular story that you're referring to there. And it's in my past. I don't need to revisit it. It's like, it's like jumping into a negative energy. And I move forward and look forward to the positive things that I can do in cooperation with the spirit world. Absolutely. And I bless you and I thank you for sharing what you have done with us now for those that might have been interested. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm uncomfortable in talking about it. I love your philosophy about uh, 
um, looking back and living in it. I, I, I often re refer to, in my case, I often refer to when I was driving. When I was driving, I was driving hundreds of miles a day forward. That was my direction of travel, forward, forward, forward. It was only a very small percentage of that time was I looking in the mirror and looking back. And I kind of like to use that philosophy in my life. I can't spend my life looking back at my mistakes. It will cripple me. We can just look forward. And as you said, Tim, very well there, is just improve ourselves from the learning of it. So, Tim, I bless you and I thank you very, very much for, more than um, welcome. More for, than welcome. for sharing that with us. Back in, back into your story now. So you've, you've come out of this, this period that we've said here. You've now got to rebuild your life. You've, re, re, you've kind of, the SNU have done something which I kind of, I, I don't know, I don't know where I stand with this, but if you've earned a qualification through the SNU, I, I don't get how when you leave that uh, organisation, they can take it away from you. I don't get that. You've earned it once. Why shouldn't you? But we'll accept that they've done that. You've now got to rebuild your life. Can you just pick us up from there? Yes, of course I will. But let me just say before we go into that, no organisation, no teacher, no medium can ever take away from you that relationship you have with the spirit world. And that it doesn't matter how many pieces of paper, certificates you have that say, I work at this standard, uh, and, and, and if an organisation chooses to take them away from you, that the one thing they cannot take away is that ability to be in the company of the spirit. And the spirit world will never judge you. They will leave you for that, for you to do that for yourself. So you're quite right. Everything's been stripped, financial support, spiritual support from organisations, and I'm standing literally on my own, symbolically naked with my family, and I have to go and earn some money. I have to sell the house that we owned to pay back the bill, rightfully so. I have no issues with that. So we then had to turn to local housing of, uh, associations to be housed, uh, and, and we live in a lovely house. We're very, we were very fortunate. It was a brand new house. Literally, as the builders moved out on the Wednesday, I think we moved in on the Thursday. A brand new house. Uh, they, 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 we rent off of them. So we were very fortunate. But hey, bills have to be paid. Rent has to be paid. Electric bills have to be paid. And a lot of the work that I was doing, a lot of the schools that I was working for stepped away from me because of my situation. And I understand that. I, I, I hold no grudges on that. One or two of them said, hey, we don't agree with what you did, Tim, but we love you as a friend. We love your work. We will continue to employ you. And I had to grab hold of those few firms that, that did employ me to make a small living. And it was something like a quarter of what I was earning before. But now it's all completely legal. It's now completely above board. And I now have to slowly start building my diary of work up again. And that took several years to do that. It sounds somewhat egotistical. I would like to think my work as a medium and as a teacher spoke for itself and people turned to me and said look we and i and i was having to go to new firms who said oh we're into we hear about you we're interested in you coming and teaching our, our students and i would arrive and they'd say now the first thing we, we need to know tim is you need to tell us your story to see if we're comfortable with it or not and i was having to justify myself i was having to explain myself uh, which is which is something that somewhat annoys me. I have to tell the story again and again and again to say, hey, look, I'm human. I made a mistake. Please forgive me. Let me move on. I'm full of guilt. I've forgiven myself. And I, you know, I had lots of counselling from a particular spiritualist minister at that period of time because of the level of guilt. My workload slowly rebuilt through my reputation as a teacher. I'm happy to say my diary is full again full this year and half full for next year. And I run residential courses. So, for example, I'm running a residential course with a good friend of mine, Moira Hawkins, who's also a medium. We have over 40 students on that residential course in Cobra Hill. Some people will know of the, of the location. Cobra Hill is up in Scarborough. Uh, it's a spiritual centre there. I'm, I'm running in Wales, spiritual centre there, uh, there uh, for French-speaking students. And I think we've got something like uh, 25 students coming over from, from Switzerland, the French-speaking side of Switzerland. My diary is full again. It's not been easy because I've had this cloud that's hanging over me. 
Now, what I'm happy to say is, as time unfolds, that cloud moves away. That cloud, unless unless people talk about it. My family don't talk about that old story anymore. Um, and, and people I work for are not interested in it anymore. That has allowed the workload and my diary to become full again. Well, you're making me embarrassed, the fact that it came up in the subject anyway. Trevor, let me, let me just say this. Something, something I learned from my story, as mediums, as spiritualists, we're very good at promoting communication. And when something goes wrong in, in an individual's life, one of the ways to, to heal from it, one of the ways to deal with it is communication. And a minister, at the time he was an SNU minister, you would come round my house. I would phone him, Martin, I need to talk to you. And he would come round my house maybe once a week, once a fortnight, and we would walk the dog. That was our excuse. We would go and walk the dog. Uh, and we would walk the dog for an hour. And it was an opportunity for him to minister to me. And there came a time when he said, Tim, what you need to do is let go of the guilt. We've spoke about this. We've gone over this again and we've aired it. And it was through that talking, through that communication that spiritualists promote that allowed me to deal with that situation. And I would recommend anybody who goes through a tough time, whatever that tough time may be, find somebody that you can trust to talk to about it in a safe environment. and for me, I found it very healthy. Now then, you mentioned in the middle of that a name called Martin. Somebody called Martin. Now then, when I started my podcasts and podcasts uh, two years ago, all of a sudden I become aware of this gentleman that was also doing live podcasts on Facebook, and I couldn't help but watch him. And this was a guy called Martin Colcliffe, which is who you're now talking about. I'd Absolutely. like you, yeah. Now I, I, I've watched enough of his to know that he was a guy that was presenting himself on screen, professional, dressing professional, spoke professional, really nice. And I was like, oh God, I can't be that good ever. He's he's so good. Now Martin runs a training program, and I want you to spend a few minutes telling us how you've been involved in that. So I've known Martin from his early days of, of mediumship. Martin's very was very much a military career man, uh, and you and you can see that in him when you when you're in his company, you can see that he's an ex-military man. He has that bearing, he has that energy about him, and he chose to go down the development route of his mediumship and his spirituality. Uh, I know he's been involved in different religions, but then discovered spiritualism. He became very much involved. And if you like, climbed the ranks quite quickly within uh, the SNU over a very short period of time, only a few years, to the point where he became held different positions within the SNU. And I know at one point he was the uh, training and awards uh, chairperson for the SNU, uh, t- took his ministership. Uh, for whatever reason, he felt the need to step away from the SNU and formed his own organisation and took an individual uh, ministership, spiritual ministership. So he, he's still a minister, but not a minister of the SNU, but he's still a spiritual minister, an approved spiritual minister. And he formatted an education system. Uh, and I think I may have been the first student, actually, to attend that education system. This was in the period where... I'd been asked to step away from the SNU, and before I returned, I thought education is very important to me. So I underwent his education system that I liked very, very much. And I took level two and level three. Level three is the highest award you can achieve with with Martin. Uh, It's the equivalent, I guess, if we think of the SNU, of their diploma. And I achieved that in both demonstrating and speaking philosophy. Uh, with Martin he did ask me to be one of his resident teachers but uh, I declined that I wanted to go back into the SNU and take their teaching education system again uh, which which I which I did successfully but he's a wonderful man The, the, the wonderful thing about Martin's qualifications is they are approved by the education system of the British government if you like I guess that's Ofcom I'm not sure but it is a recognised qualification. 
That's very important. I think it's one of the first qualifications within mediumship that is recognised and approved. When I first looked up what Martin was doing, in fact, I was prompted more by a recent guest, Andy Ford, who got his ministership lovely. through this. Yeah, lovely man. And I went away and I researched uh, Martin's stuff. And I thought, this is absolutely brilliant, because where I might get something from the SMU if I was to go through all the politics and, and all the learning, where I might get something, it was always limited to being part of my uh, my membership. I looked at Martin's stuff. It's government approved. This is actual official. You know where you can put letters after your name? You genuinely can, and they're going to stick with you. And for that matter, Tim, you have got letters after your name, which I had to look up what they meant. But tell us what they are and what they stand for. I have my DSNU a diploma uh, within the Spiritualist National Union for both uh, teaching and demonstrating. I have a CSNU in philosophy, a certificate in within philosophy, within the SNU, and I have FMTSF, which is a fellowship uh, within Martin Colclough's organisation. And you're going to have to forgive me, the, na his na the name of his organisation, uh, I can't bring it to my mind right now. Fox Pioneer Centre. That, that is part and parcel of it. That's the practical side of it. And, and you could certainly research Martin Colclough, Minister Martin Colclough, through the Fox Pioneer Centre without a doubt. I think they're two different branches of the same organisation, if you like. The back end of it, in other words, the actual qualifications, like the BTEX or whatever you want to call it, those are official government uh, things, recognised levels. Both organisations offer uh, a wonderful educational structure. I, I have to tell you that. The wonderful thing about Martin Colclough's education system is it's been designed so you cannot fail. That doesn't mean you're just you're just part. Anybody will pass because if you didn't come up to the standard, he would advise you, educate you, guide you, and then you'd resit it. But you wouldn't fail as such. You will be nurtured to pass. Um, I've got a line written here which I definitely believe in. That is that we should aspire to be better. It doesn't mean that we will always be better but we should aspire to be better. We're all human. There are always going to be rocks and things on the path on that route. But as long as you aspire to be better and do some of the stuff that will help and make you a little bit better, then you're on the right path. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Couldn't uh, disagree with it at all. Wonderful, wonderful uh, statement. You haven't told me this, so I'm going to look at you on the screen as I say this. You have never been more in love with your partner than you are right now. Yeah, my, my wife is my, my backbone. She's my rock. If my wife passed away tomorrow, my world would end. She's my soulmate. She really is. I'd be nothing without my wife. You have that radiance about you. You have that energy that comes from uh, life's experiences and where you are right now. And more than ever before, you now appreciate and love that lady. Absolutely. You know, I think I mentioned it yesterday too. I did a service last Sunday and my address was, which is more important, to be famous or to be kind? Just be kind to each other. Just love each other. You know, if this world could put the energy into just expressing some love every now and then, maybe this world would be a better place than maybe what it is now. For some people, it's easier to express love to than others. And um, without a doubt, my wife, I find very easy to express love to. Tim, tell us about your little schedules that you've got coming up over the next few weeks. Early tomorrow morning, I jump on a plane at Manchester Airport, fly out to Switzerland. Uh, there's a school there that I've taught at for, I think it's 13 years now. Uh, they have a structure where students come in for one year, they sign up for one year, and then they leave, and then a whole new batch of students come in. So it's lovely to work with new students all the time. And that's on trance healing. I, I love teaching all aspects of mediumship. That's just a two days over the weekend, Saturday and the Sunday. I then come home and uh, I think on Tuesday I fly out to Norway for a week where I'm doing some demonstrations and sittings. And I think it's a four-day workshop on evidence within trance. So evidential trance, if you like. I then come home and uh, I'm home for, I think, two days. Then I'm off to Switzerland again, but a different area, a different uh, school in Switzerland, the same area, but uh, teaching evidential mediumship, which is my 
passion. I love evidential mediumship. And that's what my schedule is like. The thing that came out of my old story was uh, it ended up that something like 80% of my work now is abroad and very little is in England, which saddens me somewhat because I like to work in England. But if teachers are being honest and mediums are being honest to you, they will tell you that they prefer to work abroad simply because of the money. It's, it's, a, it's a, on a completely different scale. You'll do a demonstration in England, you'll get £40. You'll do a demonstration in Switzerland, you'll get £250. It's, it's a completely different wage packet altogether. I'm very open with my wages because it's so legal now. So, for, for example, for my weekend in Switzerland that I'm about to do, for the Saturday and Sunday, I, I will earn uh, maybe £1,500. That's for, remember, I've flown out on Friday and uh, normally I would fly back on, on Monday. But uh, so normally that would be four days work, if you like, but literally two days in the class. There's lots of money to be earned abroad. I'm very honest about that. Some teachers, mediums maybe will be slightly more closed about that. I, I have nothing to fear because uh, I'm so legal these days that I can be about it. You can't earn that money in England, sadly. For a lot of the top mediums and teachers, we, England loses. But I'm trying to build up my schedule in England, and I have got some work in England, if we come back to your uh, original uh, question there. I am doing several weekends for different churches around Britain, if you like, throughout the year. And I think maybe the easiest way to cover it, without going through, the, through some long list, is simply, if you're interested in my teaching, go on my website, timabbott.net and my work schedule is listed on there. In the details that accompanied these episodes, you will find everything you need to know about Tim. And let's also bear in mind that Tim is a member of the Friends of Spirited Talk group. And uh, it might not be immediate that he'll answer, but if you ask any questions in there, he will eventually get back to you through the messenger service. And uh, we'll be happy to talk to you. Tim... I have got my fun sheet that I use to, to round things up here. And so I'm drawn now to ask a couple of silly questions on here. I won't go through them all because I'm aware of your time. Um, would you be prepared to have your mediumship tested under scientific conditions? Yes, and I have. Ah, is there a story worth sharing? One wonderful one. I used to work for a school called Ersham Star, which is based down in Folkestone, Kent. The owner of the school became quite friendly with a gentleman who is um, a medical professor and was studying clear audience, that is clear hearing, that sense that, that psychics and mediums use to hear the presence of the spirit and the information of the spirit, and the comparison with schizophrenia. And how is it that mediums have control of their, their hearing experience where patients of schizophrenia don't sadly. So this gentleman was doing a research on it. And part of his research was that he had to study uh, 100 mediums. The owner of the school kept encouraging me to have time with this professor. And I kept saying, oh, no, I'm not interested. But after several months, I, I gave in and said, OK, I'll spend a day. So this chap came along and he did all different weird and wacky things with me. First, to clarify, I was sane. For example, he put my hand in an ice bucket full of ice water and, and, and ice for 10 minutes. I had to hold it. According to my response, measured how sane I was or insane I was. I had to watch a David Attenborough program, The Natural World, and it was the series where a, a whale jumps out of the water and grabs a sea lion and rips it apart, and sadly there's lots of blood and guts. Uh, and according to my response when I was watching it, again, somewhat measured uh, how insane or sane I was. And at the end of this, several hours, and there were lots of questions and answers. And, and after a couple of hours, he, he said, yeah, yeah, you're obviously sane. That evening, I was doing a demonstration. And as I was working with him, all of a sudden, I became aware of two people from the spirit world who announced that they were part of the evening, the demonstration. They were going to come for the demonstration. And as I was working with them, Claire audiently, I heard them speaking. Although they were speaking English, it was a German accent. And I said to this professor, oh, I've got two people with me um, for tonight. 
I'll tell them to go away. They've come too early. But they're German. And he said, how do you know they're German? I said, well, I can hear their accent. And he simply looked up from his paperwork and said to me, I'm sure you believe that you've just had that experience too. And I thought, there's no way you're going to insult my mediumship like that. So I went back, took my awareness back to this young man and this elderly lady. And I said, you need to give me something that you're going to give me tonight. You need to give me it now. Some evidence. And the young man said, tell Miss Piggy it's Kermit, the characters from The Muppet Show. And I said to this professor, because I knew he was going to attend the demonstration. And I said, well, the young man's told me, give me some evidence, which I heard for this evening. Tell Miss Piggy it's Kermit. And he said, okay. So we went on and the day passed and the evening came and we got to the point where we were doing the demonstration. And there was about, it wasn't a big crowd, maybe 50 people in this hotel where the seminar was running that gathered for the demonstration. And I think it was my third message in, I became aware of this elderly lady and this young man again. And I gave it off. And a lady speaking in English, but with a German accent in the congregation said, I think I can take this information. And at that point, the professor put his head up because he heard her accent. He said, oh, okay, this is getting interesting. And I gave some evidence which she could take. And then I said, the young man saying to me, tell Miss Piggy it's Kermit. And the lady broke down crying. My, my client broke down crying. And she said, his nickname for me was Miss Piggy. My nickname for him was Kermit. And at the end of the demonstration, the, the professor came over to me and said, how on earth did you do that? I said, it's called mediumship. Yeah. He, said, he said, of all the people I've interviewed, of all the mediums I've interviewed, he said, and this is, a, this is slightly the sad thing that came out of it. He said, of all the mediums I've interviewed, what I now recognise just from today, spending the day with you, that maybe not all people who announce they are mediums are actually mediums. They're deluding themselves. And he said, because of this experience I've had with you, I now have to go back to the drawing board and start all over again. Hey, that's me. I'm reading these, so if anybody thinks I sound wooden like Arthur, well, I am reading this. It says, here's the uh, question. Have you enjoyed your experience with a Spirited Talk interview? Oh, absolutely. I love I love interviews. I love sharing because it's educational for people. I love it. Absolutely. Next one. And now your interview is nearing an end. What one or two things do you wish I'd have asked you about? I wish you'd have asked me. If I had any advice for somebody coming into mediumship, what would my advice be? Because again, I think I love to love to teach. Well, then here's your, here's the platform. Oh well, I would say to somebody who was maybe looking at mediumship for the first time, before you start your mediumship, I want you to go away for a few weeks and ask yourself, why do I wish to be a medium? Ask yourself that. And are are you doing it to massage your ego? Are you doing it because you think there's going to be a big payday at the end of it? Are you doing it for spiritual reasons? And be honest to yourself. And when you decide the reasons are right for you to develop, then you must immediately adopt patience. You must adopt patience because it's not going to come over a few weeks, a few years. This is a lifetime journey that will unfold. However, hold on to being inquisitive. Learn your subject. Don't lose the magic of the beauty that comes when you're in the company of the spirit. Be that child who's standing outside the sweet shop when your father says, you can pick what sweet you want. And you're looking in the shop window and there's all these different colours, all these different shapes and all these different energies. Don't ever lose that magical feeling. And remember the importance of your mediumship. Remember the value that it will give to your client. It will take away their pain. It will take away their darkness. It will give them the understanding and the education that they will meet once again with their loved ones when the time is right in the spirit world. And it will give them hope. And that is very, very important. If you had the opportunity to record a pod class with Spirit to Talk, would you and what subjects would you cover? My favourite subject to teach is both evidential mediumship and platform. 
unfortunately, I think we're in an era with mediumship where the word entertainment is very much part of mediumship now. And I go and watch mediums work because I'm a spiritualist, I attend church. And I watch mediums work and I think they are more entertainers than they are mediums. And I see a lack of evidence. And if I quickly say, what is the definition of evidence within mediumship? Well, for me, it's an expression of the intelligence, the presence and the personality of that communicating spirit. And if that isn't there, then yes, you may come out of a church saying, I'm uplifted, I've had a wonderful evening, but did the medium mediate? Did the medium prove the communication of, of life? So my favorite subject is evidential mediumship and the platform. And that's what I would most definitely teach. You know, I have to be the student in that. I have to do whatever you say if we were to record this podcast. Uh, oh, that's going to put me on the spot. You see, I very much believe that from the get-go, from the beginning, a student can develop in the company of the spirit, which is mediumship, of course, but at their level, of course. So a good teacher should be able to nurture and feed and support a student at whatever level they are at to take them on that next step of that journey of, of unfoldment. I won't teach a beginner in the same way that I teach an advanced student. I wouldn't teach an advanced student in the same way that I would teach an intermediate student. It's different skills for different students. And, and a good teacher will read the energy of a student, which will tell them, I know what this student needs. But some students need to be pushed. Some students need to be nurtured. Some students need to be talked through it. Some, some students need to be left alone. Uh, and, and a good teacher will recognise that and offer that to the individual student. And we have already talked about this before the interview. I know that uh, Tim is excited and has uh, openly volunteered. I want to do a podcast with you. And will I be the guinea pig? Be, and honestly, Tim, I am buzzing for the uh, the exciting opportunity. Trevor, I will be gentle with you. No, 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 you'd be rough with me. That's what they were. I can hear them. I can hear them. They're driving in the cars, listening to this, going, be rough with him. He need, needs to be rough with me. So that's going to be good. I want to say something, Tim. I've absolutely loved your company over the last few days. Well, I've loved yours too. Thank you very much. I've got to thank you. We're coming up to two and a half hours on the second day of recording here. What You're a very giving person. So I have to thank you for that. Trevor, I can do hugs. Yeah? Oh, good. Absolutely. Brilliant. Um, here we go. We're going to wrap up now. I want you to leave our listeners with a bit of, of words of advice, especially those that are coming in from the beginning, as you mentioned a few months ago, moments ago. But I want you to explain the importance of trust. I think uh, if we're talking about from a mediumistical point of view, so those of you who are developing your mediumship, trust not only in the spirit world, but trust has to be within yourself. I have lovely phrases that I offer up to my students. And one of my phrases is acceptance and surrender. And if I can break that down, first of all, you have to accept that you are a medium. Trust that you are a medium. And in that trust, you will more easily and more readily surrender to the guidance of the communicating spirit. That trust sometimes comes about and is empowered through different experiences. But when I say trust that you are a medium, uh, let me just look at that for you. I don't mean when I say trust you are a medium, somebody who works at the Arthur Finley College, somebody who has lots of certificates and diplomas, somebody who runs around uh, the world teaching and demonstrating. If we break down the word medium, surely it means somebody who has the ability spiritually to mediate. And the moment you trust in an experience that you've had with somebody from the spirit side of life, and you express that to a friend, to a recipient, maybe over a cup of coffee, maybe in a church, maybe on a, on, on a bus, I wouldn't recommend that, but the moment you express your spiritual mediumistical experience, you have mediated. You are a medium. And yes, it may be on the first step of the ladder, but you are still a medium. A trainee teacher in a school and the headmaster, they are both teachers. 
but at different levels. Accept that, trust that within your own ability, within your own sensitivity, and it will make the journey of mediumship that much easier. I so often talk to students that maybe I haven't seen for several years, and my, my question to them is, how's your development going? And far too often I hear, oh, it's hard work. Oh, it's challenging. Oh, it's confusing. But that isn't, it's, the spirit world is not making it hard work. The spirit world is not confusing matters. It, it's us that do that through our lack of trust in ourselves, our lack of un understanding of ourselves. Take time to sit within the quiet, if you like meditation, but, but sit within the stillness of yourself. Understand yourself. You are part, you are spirit here and now. Therefore, you are part of the spirit world. There's nothing confusing about communication with the spirit world as long as you are of a mindset where you trust. Gain that within your mediumship and your journey of mediumship will be so much easier. Mr. Tim Abbott, thank you very, very much. My pleasure. It's been a joy. Thank you.